0: All praise, honor, and glory be unto the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? How good it is to be in the presence of God today. Folks, I want you to know something. God is not a feeling, but God can be felt. He is more than a feeling. He's the sovereign, almighty God of the universe. But this God has made a way for us through His Son so that we might experience Him. And I am so very thankful for that, so very thankful for the sweet, sweet spirit in this place today. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of God. Uh, What a blessing that truly is. Y'all do such a fantastic job, and we are so thankful for you. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, please, to Psalms 139. Now, I know that for the last um, two weeks, we've been talking about getting in shape, and I hadn't finished with that. I will finish next week or the next, but this morning I just want to go in, in, a, in a different direction um, because today, as many of you know, is Sanctity of Life Sunday. We are celebrating today with brothers and sisters in Christ all over this nation and all over the world the sanctity of life that was given to us by our Heavenly Father. How many of you believe that life is sacred? If you believe that, say Amen. How many of you believe today that life is a gift from God? Amen. Amen. And listen, if life is sacred and life is a gift from God, then that gift, that sacred gift should not be squandered. And so uh, today we've made, uh, today set it aside for the purpose uh, of talking about just how special life truly is. We did this for several reasons, but two mainly. First of all, we hold to the standard of scripture around here. How many believe that? Oh, two or three of us believe it. How many believe that we hold the standard of Scripture around here? Amen. Amen. We still stick with the stuff. If God's Word says it, we believe it. If God's Word doesn't say it, then folks, we don't believe it. I believe that this is the absolute truth of God Himself. Can you say amen to that? That listen, it is His love letter unto us, and He's given it unto us so that we might be profitable in doctrine, in reproof, in instruction, in righteousness. Listen, all of that we have on the pages of Scripture is for our benefit. It is our standard. And if you want to know how life is to be lived, you need to take a look in the Word of God. And so we believe God's Word to be the standard, and in the standard, the Bible says that every life is precious every one of them. The Bible says that God hates the shedding of innocent blood, according to Proverbs six seventeen. As a matter of fact, he puts it in his list of seven, the seven things that God hates. It's the very end of that list, he said God hates those who shed innocent blood. And for folks, I want you to know, listen, today we are talking about how sacred life is because according to scripture, life is sacred And listen to me, life is a gift from God and it's precious. It's precious for me, it's precious for you, it's precious for every man, woman, boy and girl upon the face of this planet, it's precious for the baby that's in the womb this morning being formed by the hands of God. It's precious. Now, we also are sitting this Sunday aside as the sanctity of life Sunday because we have a big problem in this country. I mean, a, a very big problem. I hope this morning that somehow, some way, we can get a hold of how big a problem we've got. I want to give you some stats this morning concerning abortion and worldwide to begin with and this just blew me away when i was looking at this this week worldwide abortions right now 117,043 uh, and 43 abortions happen per day 117,000 a day, 4,876 abortions happen every hour. Now, I want you to think about that. and the time it's going to take us to have this worship service this morning, 4,876 babies are going to be killed inside the mother's womb uh, during just this time in service, this one hour. 81 abortions per minute. 1.4 abortions happen every second worldwide today. Folks, if that don't get your attention, I don't know what will. If we truly believe that every life is precious, every life is sacred, every life is a gift from God, and we truly believe what God's Word says, that God hates the shedding of innocent blood, then that has to get our attention. It must get our attention. That was worldwide. I want to talk to you just a little bit this morning about the stats concerning America. And I've brought today six cups with me. Uh, Each one of these cups represent a conflict or a war that our country has been involved with since we have been a nation, starting with the Revolutionary War and and ending with the war on terror uh, that we're currently in right now. Now, I want you to think about this this morning, and I want you to know, by in, in no way, shape, form, or fashion am I trying to diminish the lives lost in battle, because folks, without those willing to sacrifice in battle, we couldn't be doing what we're doing here today. And so that's not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to make the point that we all need to see of how big the problem we have really is. Now, inside each one of these cups, I have put BBs. And each BB inside these cups represent 10,000 lives. 10,000 lives for every one BB, all right? In the Revolutionary War, um, this is how many soldiers died. In the Civil War, the most deadly war uh, of any war that we have ever fought, according to casualties of American lives, uh, this is how many died. Again, every BB counts for ten thousand lives. Uh, World War One, World War Two, Korean, uh, the Korean War the war in Vietnam, and the war we're currently fighting, the war on terror. About 1,276,000 soldiers have died in wars in this country altogether. Now, we're currently fighting, folks, a war on abortion. I mean, we really are. If you don't think we're in a war today as the people of God, you'd open your eyes. You need to turn on your uh, your television, you need to read your newspaper. You need to get involved in what's going on in your world because all of us as believers are in a war that's being fought on many fronts. Now, in the war on abortion, today, this represents, again, 1BB represents 10,000 lives. Since Roe versus Wade was passed in the early 70s, 1974, this is how many lives. Ten thousand lives every BB. To date, since Roe versus Wade, we have aborted sixty million babies, sixty million. We've got a big problem. Wouldn't you agree? In Psalms 139, if we can get a hold of the truth that's in this passage, if everyone across this nation could get a hold of the truth that's in this passage, it could fix our problem. Psalms 139, we're going to start with verse number 1. And what we're going to start with is who God is. How many of you know, if you don't get a right view of God, you'll never get a right view of your purpose. And how many of you understand this morning, we all have purpose. If every life is sacred, if every life is a gift, every life has purpose. And that purpose is to know God and to make Him known. Can you say amen? Now then. Psalms 139, I love how the psalmist puts it here. And we're going to go through this very quickly this morning. So I'm going to ask you to just hang on and hang with me. If you'll listen fast, I'll talk fast. But in Psalms 139, he starts off talking about who God is and uh, what God knows. And it's amazing to me every time I read this passage of Scripture. Psalms 139, verse number 1, he says, "Oh Lord, Thou hast searched me. Everybody say, searched me. Thou hast searched me and known me. How do you know God knows you better than you know you? And God knows me better than I know me. I can hide from you and you can hide from me, but according to Scripture, none of us can hide from Almighty God. He has searched us. The psalmist David invited the Lord and he said, Lord, search my inward parts. And if there be any wicked way within me, reveal it to me. And folks, we ought to pray the same thing because God is the one who can get down deep inside our heart and soul and see who we really are. He has searched us. He knows us. What is he saying in verse number one? Well, he's saying that God knows our character. Now, how many of you know that I've heard character defined many different ways? Well, one of my favorite definitions is your character is what you do when no one else is looking. I like that one. That's ex- I think that's true. It's, it's how you act, the decisions and choices you make, what you do and what you don't do, when you think no one else sees you doing it or not doing it, whatever the case Now, I want you to know, according to Scripture, God sees you at all times. Reputation is what people think of you. Your character is what God knows about you. Can you say amen to that? Now, it's one thing to have a good reputation. Nothing wrong with having a good reputation. I think you ought to have a good reputation as a child of God among some people. See, child of God, you ought to be thankful some people don't like you. You ought to be thankful some people get mad at you. You ought to be thankful some people stand against you. A man who has no enemies or has no one coming against him has never stood for anything. And so if you stand for the truth of what God says, if you stand according to the truth of the Word of God, if you live in a way pleasing unto the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you walk in the light as He is the light... I can promise you the darkness will have a problem with you. Amen. (laughs) I'm just trying to tell you this morning, listen, it's good to have a good reputation with some people, but what you really need is good character. What God knows about you. And the Bible says in Psalms 139 that God has searched us. He knows our character, but he goes a step further. He says in the second verse, And thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. God, he said, you know what David says here? He says, Lord, you know when I sit down, you know when I stand up. You know everything I do all throughout the day. So not only does God know our character in verse 1, but in verse 2, God knows our conduct. He knows what we do, when we do it, how we do it. And listen to this. This is the good part. He knows for what purpose we do it. See, I can look at you and say what you do is right or it's wrong. And you can look at me and the decision choices I make and you say, well, that's right or that's wrong according to the standard of the Word of God. We can all do that. But what I can't do is look inside you. I can't see your heart. I can't see what you're thinking. I don't know why you do what you do. Now the truth is, God not only knows, folks, what we do, but He knows why we do what we do. And for that, and for that reason, that makes Him our right judge, our righteous judge, our justifier. Can you say amen to that? So God knows our character. God knows our conduct. I, I've told you many times, folks, if I could take somehow and put up on the screen my faults... My failures, sometimes what I think in this sinful flesh that I know are attacks of the enemy. If I could take all of that and I could put it up on this screen for you this morning so all of you could see it, you probably wouldn't let me preach tonight. You'd probably vote me out as pastor because the truth is, even though I strive to be what God wants me to be and to do what God wants me to do, you must realize I'm still in this flesh. But now, let me say this, if, if I could take all of your thoughts and all the things that you do or don't do, and I could put it all up on the screen so that we could all see, I have a whole lot more to preach on tonight. Can you say amen? we all in the same boat, ain't we? We all need grace. We all need mercy. We all need forgiveness. And the good news is, this God who knows you for your character, knows you in your heart of hearts, this God who knows you according to your conduct, He still loves you. And He sent His Son to save you. Wow. See, now that, that just blows me away. The love of God, it goes far beyond what I can reason. It don't make sense amazing so thankful for it he knows our character he knows our conduct let's see something else though look at the last part of verse number two it says and thou understandest my thoughts he even knows what we think amen and i'll be honest folks my thoughts alone are enough to send me to hell And the truth is, yours are too. See, God knows this morning if you've got lust in your heart. And the Bible says if you've got lust in your heart, if you think on lustful things, that you've got a heart full of adultery. Amen. The Bible knows if you've got hatred in your mind, in your thought process. And the Bible says if you've got a a, a hateful thought process, that it's just like committing the very act. It's like committing, committing murder. According to the book of 1 John. So the one who has lust in his thought process, has adultery in his heart. The one who has hatred in his thought process, listen to me now. Has murder in his heart. The one who has worry on his mind. Has a heart of unbelief. Y'all really know that's what worry is all about, don't you? When we choose to worry as the people of God, what we're really saying is we don't believe God can handle it. We really don't believe God's able to do what He says He can do. Amen. Amen. And so God knows our hearts. But listen, He also knows the good things too. He knows that heart of love that you have for people. God knows the thoughts that you have towards your brother or sister in Christ where your thoughts of concern and compassion. God knows the servant's heart. Can you say amen? Amen. (laughs) That ought to be a blessing to you too. God knows you better than you even know yourself. If He knows our character in verse 1, and in the first part of verse 2 He knows our conduct, then He also knows our thoughts or He knows our contemplations. To contemplate is to think. He knows our character, our conduct, our contemplations, but look what else. Look at verse number 4. And there is not a word in my tongue. I love this one. But lo, Lord, thou knowest it all God knows everything we say. He has, hears every word that comes out of your mouth. And, and let, me, let me give you something that really blow, will blow you away and make you think and really scare you to death if you get a hold of it. The Bible says that we're going to give an account for every idle word. That means one day when I stand before God as your pastor, I'm going to give an account for every idle word I've spoken. An idle word is a word that doesn't do anything. It don't encourage. It don't rebuke. It don't help. It don't hurt. It really just is futile. It means nothing. And so we've got to be careful what we speak. Because God hears what we say. He hears what we say. a lot of things are opened by accident none so much as my mouth the Lord has come to let me know as I've grown in my faith He gave me two ears and one mouth for a reason and a lot of times we'll try listening can you say amen there's times to speak when you've got something to say but It's also times to listen. Allow God to teach you something. So, first thing I want you to know is God knows us. If you believe God knows you, say amen. Amen. The second thing we need to see here in Psalms 139 is that God is always with us. If you believe that, say amen this morning. Now, how many of you are thankful for that? Listen, folks. Isn't it good to come into a service like we've had this morning and experience the presence of God? I love that. I love that. we just practicing for heaven right now is what we do. When the people of God join together to praise Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him, to worship Him for He's worthy. And so we're just practicing for heaven is what we're doing here this morning. And I, I love that. But now listen to me. I want you to know, we all, I say it, you say it, um, and, and, and uh, I know what you mean. I hope you know what I mean. We say this is God's house. Now folks, how you know this is not really God's house? This is God's house. God dwells in the believer. Now I'm thankful for this place. This is God's place. It's for His purpose. But it's not really where He dwells. He don't dwell in um, buildings made by men's hands. He dwells in the hearts of those who choose to place their faith in Jesus. We have become the temple of Almighty God. In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, God had a temple for His people. In the New Testament, under the New Covenant, under grace, by the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to me, God now has a people for His temple. Temple for His people in the Old Testament. People for His temple in the New Testament. Why? Because of Jesus. Now we too can enter into the holy place. Brother, I'm so thankful you got that. We too can enter into the holy place. Amen. We too can come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because we're born again into the family, brothers and sisters. God has put himself in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And that gives us access into the holy of holies, to the throne of God. Wow. Wow. God is always with us, whether we're in here on Sunday morning or we're at work on Monday morning. Mamas, do you know when you're dealing with them hard-headed kids through the week that God's with you? Y'all know that? I know nobody else has hard-headed kids, but I got some. I love them. Thankful for them. But they are their daddy's children. Children. I see where they get a lot of that. God's with you. Guys at your workplace, when you just don't know if you're going to be able to make it, do you know God's with you? You have troubles and trials. God's with you. When you're in the doctor's office, God's with you. When you're at school, God's with you. You sit around a dinner table, God's with you. Listen to me, folks. When you wake up in the morning before you put your feet on the floor, God's with you. He's not just with you at church. I gotta make a confession to you. I have service here with you, but I have church throughout the week. I have church at church riding down the road in a dump truck. I have church, uh, listen, a lot of times all by myself in, 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 in my house, out in the yard. I have church when I can just get along with Jesus, get in the Word of God. He begins speaking to me and this blessed Bible bursts a flame in my hand. I'm telling you, God's with you. You may leave God, get away from Him, but He does not leave you. The psalmist puts it plain here. He says, first of all, that death cannot hide us from the presence of God. Look in verses 7 and 8. It says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? For if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. For I make my bed in hell, thou art there. And he's saying, Lord, if I die and I go to heaven, now who dies and goes to heaven? The believer. Those who place their faith in Jesus. If you place your faith in Jesus tonight, how many know you've got the hope of heaven? You've missed hell and gained heaven because of Christ. So that's you. If I I die tonight and I wake up in the morning in heaven, praise God, listen to me, it's because of the Lord Jesus. Now he also says, if I make my bed in hell, now let me ask you this, who's going to hell? The unbeliever. Those who reject Jesus. Those who choose not to place their faith in Christ, in his finished work of salvation. Now, let me say something to you. How I many know atheists go to hell, but there will be no atheist in hell? You, you can choose not to believe if you want. Nobody's making you. I'm not going to make you. I can't make you. I wish I could. If I could grab you in a headlock somehow and drag you up here. And make you accept Jesus, I'd do it because it's that important. I'd risk getting a bloody nose just to get you up here if I I can make you do it. But it's not my decision. I can't make you do it. You can believe what you choose to believe. But folks, listen. There are consequences to what you choose to trust in and what you choose to reject. Atheists will go to hell, but there'll be no atheist in hell, for the Bible says there's coming a time when every knee's gonna bow and every tongue's gonna confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. And so, in any realm, whether it be in the heavenly realm or it be in the earthly realm or it be in hell, God is still in control, and the Bible says there's no place you're gonna go. That you'll not be in His presence. You say, oh, wait a minute, brothers. What does it mean that God's presence will be in hell? Listen. Listen to me. What changes is how God deals with us according to where He is. Or where we are. In heaven, He'll deal with us for an eternity as a loving, heavenly Father. I'm thankful for a loving Father, ain't you? Praise God. In hell. Listen. He will be your righteous judge who continually places you under His wrath. That's a scary thing. But there's no place we'll go. Not even death can separate us from presence of God. Death nor distance. Look what else it says. It says in verse number 19 if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Boy when I seen this and I really got a hold of what he's talking about here. He says, if I take the wings of the morning. Let me tell you what the wings of the morning is. The wings of the morning are the rays of sunshine that break through the clouds and come to earth. And let me tell you what David is saying. It's a beautiful writing what he's using here. He said, if I could somehow hop on them rays of sunshine and it take me far away from here, as fast as light could travel, no matter how far I go, how quick I get there, I'll still be in God's presence. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That's quick. but I want to tell you, it's not quick enough for God. It's not far enough for God. Wherever you go, there he is. It's futile for you to think as mere human beings and for me to think as mere human beings that somehow we can run from God. Let me say this. You cannot run from God and let me ask you the question, why do you want to? Folks, what God wants, listen. Look at me right here, do it. Quit running. If you need to be saved today, quit running. Wherever you go, God's going to be there. Quit running. If you listen, if you are saved and God's called you to preach today, Quit running. Quit running. Listen, if God's called you to the mission field, quit running. God's called you to witness to your neighbor. Quit running. Quit running. Wherever you go, there He is. You're not going to get away from Him. You can't get away from Him even in death or distance. (laughs) And why would you want to? God loves you. He has got an awesome plan and purpose for your life, brothers and sisters. God loves you so much. He's made a way for you to know Him. Listen to me now. And He loves you as a heavenly Father only can with His perfect love. And the one who loves you perfectly knows how to make you happy. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what. I'm as happy as a pig in the sunshine preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't ever think I would be. I didn't want to do that. That was not my plan. I was talking to a brother this week at work. I said, man, look, my plan was to join the military right out of high school. That was going to be my career. That's that's what I had planned for a long time. I wanted nothing to do with pastoring or preaching because I grew up around that. I wanted nothing to do with it. I'll just be honest with you. Graduated high school, went to the um, the, uh, physical to get into the military. They turned me down. God began working in my heart and life in such a way I knew what He had called me to do, and I ran for a long time doing stupid things, squandering opportunities, miserable, scared to death. I'll tell you what I'm glad I stopped running. I'm glad I stopped running. Man, ain't nothing like being in the center of God's will, doing what you know God's called you to do. Quit running while you want to. Let's go on. Now, you get distance, won't tell, or death can't separate you. Distance can't separate you. Then he says in verse 12, darkness can't separate you. The darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. It's amazing what people do in the dark when they think nobody can see them. God sees. Darkness is as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast, watch what he says, Possess my reign. So, number one, God knows you. Number two, God is always with you. Amen? Wherever you go, there he is. Number three, listen to this. God has a purpose for you. Everybody say this with me. God God. has a plan plan. for me. me. Watch Watch how I know this. Look what it says. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How many know you're made wonderfully and fearfully by God himself? I get so stinking sick of the stuff that we allow to get taught to our kids. If a young person is taught from the time they're knee high that they evolved from an ape or they started in pond scum somewhere a million years ago, if they're taught that and that's drilled into their head all their life, let me ask you this. What makes their life any more valuable than the ape's? If all they are is pond scum and there is nothing to live for, there is no eternity, there is no heaven and there is no hell, and all we've got now. Listen, why in the world would they ever want to live according to the standard of the Word of God? If we say it's okay to abort a baby, kill a baby out of convenience... And we've done it over 60 million times. Why would a young person think their life is valuable? Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, we as the church, we've got to combat that thinking with the Word of God. You, you, and you, and you, and you, and you. You, and 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 and all of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has a purpose and plan for you, brothers and sisters. God does not make no junk. You hear me? We've all got things by ourselves that we don't like. I hate these things. I don't like them. But because I'm in the flesh, that's just the way it is. One day I'll be just as Jesus is. I'll get my glorified body and I won't need these. I can eat all the chocolate and biscuits I want to eat. I'll never gain a pound when I get to heaven. Right now it's not that way, but that's okay. Why? Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has made me just like I am for a purpose. And listen, the best you, you can be is not like someone else, but you full of Jesus. Young people, God loves you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Young ladies, just because there's a certain picture on a magazine that's been photoshopped and made to look perfect does not mean that you have to look like the magazine because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen. Your worth is not what somebody else says or thinks about you. That's not where your worth is found. Your worth is found in Jesus for He was willing to die for you. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did not see my substance, yet being um, unperfect, and in thy book, all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when I was yet uh, when, when, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. According to the psalmist, according to the word of God, which we believe to be our standard, we were made by God in our mother's womb. According to the book of Jeremiah, listen, God spoke to Jeremiah in the womb. Jeremiah knew the plans God had from him then. Think about, think about, uh, the, the, the abortionist wants to tell us today that That's nothing more than a fetus. It's just a glob of goo inside the mother's belly. Listen to me. Listen very carefully. Do you remember when John the Baptist was in in his mother's belly and and Elizabeth's womb? And and Mary and Elizabeth came together. And Mary now was impregnated with the Lord Jesus. Listen, she was carrying the Lord Jesus, the hope of the world. And John the Baptist being the forerunner, listen, was in the, the womb of Elizabeth. And when them two mamas come together, the Bible says that John the Baptist left in the womb. Even in the womb, this baby recognized the presence of God. Why? Because it's a life. It's not a choice. It's a child. It's a precious baby, a gift from God. It's not an inconvenience. There's a lot of homes today that can't have children that are praying for children. Abortion. It's never the answer. Adoption certainly can be the answer. It Changes people's lives, Changes that baby's life. Whew. I could not believe how idiotic a lot of people are. Folks? I'm from Hamilton, Alabama. I live in Boar Tree Bottom. I'm not an educated man. You hear me? Y'all know that. I ain't got to tell you that. But I do know this that baby, those babies, those three that God's blessed me with, I saw the pictures of them in my wife's belly. That did not just happen. There was a plan being fulfilled there. They were being fearfully and wonderfully made. Like only God could do it. And God doesn't make junk. There are millions upon millions upon millions of cells in our body. And I've I've been looking at some of that this week because it intrigues me. I I like to think about it. but Microscopic, so small that 40,000 cells, if you linked them end to end, could fit inside this O in my Bible. You see that, sister? It's hard to see from even right there, isn't it? Hard for me to see. Inside that printed O in my Bible, 40,000 cells could be put inside that. Inside each cell, that cell is teeming with life. Because, listen to me, in every cell, 200 trillion atoms are at work. There are millions of cells dying every day, And millions of cells in your body being produced every day. If we really had the picture of what's going on in our body, we'd be scared to move. (laughs) My point is, this doesn't just happen. There is an intelligence at work. There's a mind behind all of this. The mind of God that is bringing all of this together. According to His plan to fulfill His purpose in each and every life. Now, one more thing and I'm done. We all talk about abortion and how we feel it's a problem. And I hope this morning you've seen the problem and I hope you've seen the solution. I hope this morning God spoke to your heart in that but I also want to let's get on the front lines amen let's do our part just last week I came in contact with a uh, a ministry and it was actually founded by the uh, the uh, executive vice, vice president I believe of the mayflower Co- trucking company out of Indiana Indiana I'm sure that many of you if you' ever Road on the road, any time at all, you've seen the Mayflower trucks that travel across. This this man was the vice president of the Mayflower Trucking Company in Indiana. He got saved, and the Lord began to burden his heart about the problem we have in this country with abortion. And so he left Mayflower Trucking Company, started his own ministry, where he goes to abortion clinics and talks to these young women who come in there and offers them a free sonogram. Now I love this. Now, listen to what he said. He said that um, about 70% of the time, the girl does not want the abortion. It's either their parents or their boyfriend or their husband. Someone else wants them to get the abortion in the first place. But 70% of the time, the girl doesn't want it. All right? Then he said, after they take the free sonogram that he provides, 80% of the time, it saves the baby's life. I I get that because, like I said, I sit there with my wife when they'd done the sonogram, and I seen that little heart beating. I I I went back with her the second time we did one, and I seen how that baby had grew. And it does something to you. Bless my soul, is what it did. (laughs) So so he says, eighty percent of the time when those girls see that, those women see that. They choose not to have the abortion. They either uh, they, they have the baby and give it up for adoption, or they keep it. Now, in his ministry, he can provide five free sonograms for140 dollars. Now I want to tell you what I want to do as a church body. We've got some room in our budget. Praise God. the Lord's blessed us. Isn't that good? Thank you for being a blessing. Realizing you've been blessed to be a blessing. Thank you for giving. And so, what I want to do, I want to take $1,000 from our church fund, our general fund, and I want to give it toward this ministry. I hadn't even done the math. I don't know how many we're talking about there, but 140 into 1,000 times five is what we'd be doing. Okay? Now, I also want to give you the opportunity to say, brother, I want to give too. If you do, that's fine. And so in the way of closing this morning, we're going to pass the offering plate. I know you weren't prepared. If you want to give now, that's fine. If you want to say, hey, I'll give later, that's fine. You just let me know. But the Lord just burdened my heart with this all weekend. And I hope he burdens yours as well. Everybody stand together. Let me have my ushers come back, please. Now you know you said, Brother, do you got to give 140? No, you just give what you want to give. And we'll take the total, and we'll give it to them. All right Brother, play something for us, please.